Today's episode of Dog Nation Daily is brought to you by Engineered Solutions of Georgia. Dial 678-ESOG now for a solution to your foundation and waterproofing problems. Presented by DogNation.com, this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. Here's your host, Brandon Adams. About 10 years ago or so, it seems like the mainstream media kind of all became aware almost at once although maybe it was more like a series of dominoes that fell. A lot of the mainstream sports media that covers college football just became very aware of how popular recruiting coverage is. And this is one of those things that I think probably took a while to catch on to because it had obviously been popular for a lot longer than 10 years. But at a certain point in time, there's this thought of, oh my gosh, look at all the college football fans who are interested in recruiting. And if you want to go back, you know, X number of years ago, that wasn't really reflected in the mainstream discussion really at all. That was not the kind of thing that the average kind of old school reporter may have spent a lot of time paying attention to. But now it's a prerequisite, I would say, for being in the industry. You have to be very well aware of that because it's just the kind of thing that fans want as much of as they can get. And there was a phrase that I remember hearing a lot. You know, once again, if you want to go back to a decade or so ago, there was a phrase that I would hear a lot about the explanation for why fans cared so much about recruiting and why that was so interesting, really 365 days out of the year, not just the time where it used to be the college football was sort of a September, October, November, December sport. Now it's a, obviously a 12-month sport, as evidenced by the fact that we do Dog Nation Daily, presented by Engineered Solutions of Georgia each and every day. And the explanation that was often given for why recruiting was as popular as as it was is, well, you got to understand, this is like a soap opera. You know, it's like a soap opera. That that was a phrase that you heard so much. There were there were you know these elements to the recruiting storyline that made it like a soap opera. And to be completely honest with you, one of the reasons why I do enjoy recruiting as much as I do, it's really probably probably kind of twin pillars. There's probably parallel tracks for this. On the one hand, obviously, I just want Georgia to get as many good players as it can. The mechanism by which Georgia tracks those players is through the recruiting process. So as a fan of Georgia, I'm just interested in that part. I'm interested in hopefully Georgia collecting a great collection of players each and every recruiting cycle but parallel to that simultaneous to that i have to say i do enjoy the soap opera of it i I do enjoy the the mystery that gets slowly un you know unraveled over the course of many months and i i like the the uh whatever you call it like the the pizzazz of it all the you know the the hyperbole of it all i just kind of i'm attracted to all of that i've never made any kind of secret about that i just enjoy all of the theater the theatrics the drama that go along with recruiting i'm just really attracted to it all but if we want to go back to the analogy that people used to use in explaining why recruiting talk was so popular the idea that it's a soap opera well let's take that seriously just for a moment and if we were to say that College football recruiting is a soap opera. Every good soap opera, even if you haven't ever watched them, you're kind of aware this is somewhat true. Every good soap opera has to have a good plot twist. There has to be a moment in which you think the narrative is heading one direction where, boom, surprisingly out of nowhere, it takes a twist and goes in another direction. And I think we have an example of that here today when it comes to Georgia recruiting. Because one of the things we talked about a lot, a name that we mentioned quite often for Georgia for this class of 2022, was 
Big Bear Alexander, the five-star defensive tackle out of the state of Texas. And I've said on this show before that I thought it was amazing that UGA even had Alexander's commitment. That, to me, was one of the most difficult recruiting tasks that Kirby Smart had undertaken since he'd been a head coach at Georgia is to go into a state like Texas, an elite defensive tackle, always a position of need. It's a premium position because, typically speaking, there aren't a lot of elite defensive linemen, defensive tackles in particular. And Georgia had won the commitment for a guy like Bear Alexander. We said forever that Alexander was one of those names. It was just going to be really hard for Georgia to hold on to because there was a home court advantage for the other school that kind of appears in Alexander's recruitment, Texas A&M. And then lo and behold, after taking a visit to Texas A&M, Alexander decommits from Georgia. We don't quite know yet where Alexander's going to go. They're obviously, I mean, he's taken visits to University of Texas, for instance, not just Texas A&M, and there are potentially other schools involved there as well. But but clearly A&M has kind of been thought to be a big factor in Alexander's recruitment. And to be completely honest with you, that even though everybody kind of said the right stuff, the moment that Alexander decommitted from Georgia, you know, you had Don Allen Morris said on Twitter saying we're going to get him back. And, you know, people were trying to say the right thing. The truth is that over the course of a series of days, I probably had convinced myself, I probably had decided, well, I reckon on Dog Nation Daily, presented by ESOG, we probably won't ever really talk about Bear Alexander again. This is probably a ship that has now sailed into the night. And all of a sudden now our defensive line conversation conversations on this show are going to zero in more on guys like say Travis Shaw who recently took a visit to Georgia or Walter Nolan who also recently has taken a couple of visits to Georgia then we talk five-star defensive linemen on this show that's probably the defensive line that we'll mention but as I said before a good soap opera has a plot twist and uh, college football recruiting truly is a soap opera at times and so I guess there's a little bit of a twist here in the Bear Alexander recruitment a little bit a little bit of social media chatter on this as of late, the Gunner Stockton, the 2022 quarterback commit for the University of Georgia, apparently has recently hosted Alexander at his home. Now, I want to show you this photo. This is really cool. First of all, you're talking about a Luke Bryan song come to life. Imagine being Gunner Stockton here for a moment. You are a quarterback on your way to the University of Georgia, and in the summer before the senior year, we're going to play for a very good uh, high school football team here in the state. Apparently, you spend your summer, you know, as you're also preparing for football, also enjoying time there at the lake there as well there is a lot to be jealous of i would say when it comes to gunner stockton right here but do we have the photo can we show this uh so here is stockton uh this is i guess the instagram story from uh, big bear alexander there's been some video some folks had this on twitter there as well but here is big bear alexander tagging gunner stockton and i guess the internet has decided this means that big bear was at gunner stockton's house enjoying that great time there that seems like a really fun thing to do during the uh, summer and it brings to mind for me a lot of stuff i guess first of all let me be very clear about this i don't think the presence of big bear at gunner's house first of all big bear and gunner that just sounds like a great like action movie from the 80s right there big bear and gunner go across the uh, south solving mysteries things like that i feel like that's a movie i'd probably watch but the, the point here though is is that i don't necessarily think big bear being at gunner's house necessarily means that alexander's going to reconsider his georgia decommitment this is going to necessarily change all that much I, I don't think that necessarily means that but this is an example of Georgia, just something that it does really well. Georgia stays in the mix, right? I mean, Georgia finds a way to, we talked about this on a show last week, that it, it's nice to look busy. It's nice to look like you've got a lot going on in recruiting because when it seems like you've got a lot of irons in the fire, that that you know that energy seems to kind of 
you know, compound on itself. And, you know, it's not a bad thing to see Big Bear palling around with a Georgia quarterback come in. I'm also reminded of this, that, you know, last year in a pandemic world, one of the great luxuries that Georgia seemed to have was having a elite quarterback commit who was from the state of Georgia. In this case, uh, Brock Vandergriff living right there in the shadow of the University of Georgia campus in Athens. And so at a time when you couldn't take visits, well, having, you know, um, a quarterback who could just host folks and take them on tours of Athens, that, that Vandergriff a year ago kind of put himself in the position of doing what Georgia coaches might normally do in a, in a pandemic world. They weren't allowed to do that. So Vandergriff Griff, the Athens native and his family were able to kind of fill that void for George a little bit and a little bit maybe this is true with you know uh, Alexander and Stockton there as well that it's nice to have elite quarterback commits but when elite quarterback commits also hail from the state of Georgia they can become an extension of your recruiting efforts which is kind of a cool thing to see all the way there so you know I think only time will tell what any of this really means and ultimately it may not mean what those of us who grew to like Bear Alexander wanted to mean which uh, is that Alexander may reconsider his decommitment and reemerge as a true candidate for Georgia in his 2022 class. But seeing your quarterback piling around with an elite prospect like this, enjoying some time at the lake, that's a pretty good commercial for UG all the way around there. Now, on the subject of recruiting, let me kind of shift gears and talk about a completely different prospect just for a moment. Because I got to tell you, uh, I like to try to keep my uh, ear to the ground. I like to try to, you know, kind of see where the internet chatter is taking us, where the online chatter is going with certain recruits. And, you know, on this show, I love nothing more than telling you good news when there's good news to be told. But in the absence of that, I am forced to be honest. And, and I guess, you know, honesty compels me to admit here as Kojo Antwi has kind of shut down his recruitment at this point in time, recently on the heels of the visit to USC. In fact, let me show you the uh, kind of an interesting photo. Uh, this is a, uh, I mean, I, I have to admit, a fairly cool edit by USC and certainly interesting reveal of what their recruiting pitch is right now. For those of you watching on video, you see this. Obviously, you know, radio podcast, I'll describe this for you. It says Georgia to L.A there is a state of georgia kind of making the hole in the a so it's kind of incorporated into the graphic there's a plane there a palm tree you see mikhail williams and krista miller and elijah pritchett and addison nichols and kojo antwi obviously usc selling the idea that all these georgians might eventually go to usc obviously mikhail williams has announced his uh pledge to the trojans and kojo antwi just took a visit there i guess he's complimented the way that he was hosting la most recruits enjoy their visit i don't think right now though if you're a Georgia fan you have to worry all that much I think about Antwi going to USC in fact I think most of these players might end up going somewhere other than the uh, Trojans although Mikhail Williams as I said didn't make the USC commitment but boy you don't hear a lot about Antwi in Georgia right now we're only a couple of ways a couple days away from this commitment announcement we'll talk to Jeff Sintel about that this week but you certainly get the impression that once again Texas A&M seems to be a factor here maybe it's Ohio State I'll invite you to go back and read the stuff that Antwi said either you can do one of two things you can either read the quotes from the article that Jeff wrote at dognation.com also a really good way to kind of access all of what Antwi told Jeff recently is if you'll just listen to the interview from before the hedges presented by Kroger last week it's on the dog nation video channels and he says a lot of very complimentary things about Ohio State Antwi's very careful about saying good things about every school but was 
fairly complimentary of Ohio State in this particular interview that uh, Jeff did there. So, you know, it is uh, one of those moments where you sort of have to be honest sometimes. And as Antwi shut down his, shuts down his recruitment, he's put out there on Twitter that he's taking no more interviews. He's talked all he's going to talk ahead of a decision that's coming in just a couple of days' time. July 5th, I believe, is the date on that. Ahead of all of that, he is not talking anymore. We're left to go back and parse what he has said. And Right now, the Internet seems to think he might be going somewhere else other than Georgia, but we'll certainly follow all of that closely and tell you every new development that uh, arises, and we're certain that some new developments will. My name is Brandon Adams, and this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. We're presented today by Engineered Solutions of Georgia, and we're glad to have you with us. A lot of different ways to get to us. Video, Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Twitch, on the radio. Great to be back with our friends in the Classic City on the radio again on Athens Sports Radio 960 The Ref. And, of course, as a podcast, wherever you find them, Apple, Spotify, Google. Uh, many of you listen directly on SoundCloud. A lot of you wait for me to post the show at the theworldfamousdognation.com, which I'm always gracious and glad to do for all of you. So we are just having a great time today and glad to have you with us for all of it. Big thanks to our friends at Engineered Solutions of George for making it all possible. You know, they are the name and the source that you would turn to for all of your foundation and waterproofing issues. These are big things. You know, as I was driving in today, it was uh, raining outside. My understanding is it's going to actually rain a pretty good bit over the course of the next few days. And for many of you, and let's face it, homeowners know what this feels like. For many of you, the idea of rain leads to a little bit of anxiety because you know there are places in your house where water just seems to find a way inside the house. Uh, and that's not what you want. You don't. You don't want that. You don't want the uh, water coming in. You don't want anything like that. And if you if you see evidence of that, or if you see those cracks showing up in your foundation, Engineered Solutions of Georgia is the one you want to turn to for that. First of all, they're proud partners of UGA, which makes them really fun to do business with. They are longtime friends of ours here on Dog Nation Daily, so that's a really nice thing there as well. It's always great for me to know that so many of you support those who've been uh, gracious to support us. I certainly appreciate that. But here's the thing. This is a very confident recommendation I can make for you because I know the kind of work they do. They're a solutions-based company. They have two full-time engineers on staff. So they will do good work for you. They'll take really good care of you. Uh, If it's a simple fix, they'll do that. If it's something more substantial, they'll obviously handle that for you there as well. Foundation, waterproofing issues, the evidence. You see it. Cracks in the walls, water creeping in, something along those lines. Don't hesitate to get this scene about. Give them a call. Number very easy to remember. Simply dial 678-ESOG-NOW. That's 678 ESOG now that'll get you in touch with engineered solutions of George. I want to do around the doghouse here in a moment. Before I do that, though, let me just very, very briefly say this that tomorrow is a day here on our program that I'm very much looking forward to. Tomorrow, as I've been telling you, is the day, and I kind of have the green line on this now, that we will reveal all the details of our Dog Nation invasion to Charlotte for the big season opener against Clemson. And my understanding is is that when I make the announcement, we're going to be live. You'll be able to get your tickets and secure your access to all of this. It's just going to be a gigantic event. This is obviously the kind of thing that, that a year ago we were not able to do for obvious reasons because of the pandemic. And now as the world kind of gets a little healthier and everybody kind of uh, takes care of their business from a health and safety standpoint, we're all able to back be back and getting 
together again and enjoying each other's company again. And the question I've been getting more than anything else is, does this mean there will be a dog nation invasion here this year? And yes, I'm happy to say that tomorrow we will reveal all the details for that. And obviously there's going to be a lot of demand for this and we've tried to make it as big as we can possibly make it. But even with doing that, there's still somewhat limited capacity in terms of what we have the ability to to take care of in, in something like this. So when we make the announcement, it's going to be one of those things you're going to want to jump on quick and be a part of a great, great event in Charlotte with us to start the 2021 season. I cannot wait for that. So with that said, let me shift gears here, do around the doghouse here for a moment. I'm going to talk to Connor Riley about this more in just a little bit. It was very interesting, I guess, in the last day or so, uh, maybe it was yesterday, Pro Football Focus has come out with its preseason All-American list. Now, there's all kinds of preseason lists this time of year. I guess what makes the pro football focus thing a little bit different is they kind of use their own metrics for this. This is not just the opinions of people. This is the data, they would say. And, you know, sometimes when it comes to some of these PFF numbers and <laughs> we have a little bit of a hypocritical relationship uh, with this kind of stuff, when it's, a, when, it's a, when it's a number that backs up an opinion that we've shared on the show before, we tout that pretty loudly as evidence to prove our point. When it's a number they have that kind of runs contrary to an opinion we've expressed in the show, we have a tendency to disregard that data. So admittedly, we're a little bit hypocritical on this show from time to time when it comes to whatever pro football focus might be sharing a little bit. But nonetheless, still interesting to see on the PFF all preseason All-American team, based on their metrics, their evaluation, things like that, there were five Georgia players who show up on various teams. Jacob Barna, no surprise there. Uh, second team All-American at punter. He's been getting all this preseason love all year long. It's great to see that for Jake. I truly am excited about what he's doing this year. It's one of those things as a you know Georgia fan, you don't want to see Kamara too much because you don't want your team punting. But a valuable punter, someone who can flip the field and dominate the field position, that's obviously a, a big part of all this there as well. It's also great to see newcomer to the program, Tyke Smith, showing up on one of these preseason lists for pro football focus there as well. I don't think that's an exaggeration of what his potential value could be uh, for Georgia. I think he could truly be that big of an impact player somewhat interesting to see eric gilbert show up here there as well as a second team all-american just given the fact that there's a lot about gilbert's role in this offense that i think is still yet to be determined but pff certainly seems to and that's pro football focus certainly seems to like what he brings to the table there's also some some interest there uh in regards to that selection however beyond all of that Maybe the most interesting thing about this uh, list from Pro Football Focus is the fact that it includes two UGA offensive linemen. You have Justin Schaefer at guard. You have Jamari Salyer there as well. And, you know, even if you were to assume, because I think they had Justin Schaefer as their first team guard, right? So even if you assume for a moment, for the sake of conversation, let's assume for the moment that's a little bit of an exaggeration. And this is Pro Football Focus looking to be a little bit different than some of the other metrics that are out there, even if you assume that's partially true. To me, it's still something that a guy like Schaefer and a guy like Salyer show up on on lists like this, because let's face it, uh, Salyer is commonly mentioned in these preseason lists all the way around. And it's one of the reasons why, and I, and I try to be careful how I say this, this is not me saying, therefore, Georgia has nothing to worry about when it comes to its offensive line. That's not me saying that, because you know, we saw a less than perfect day from Georgia against a good defense, Cincinnati, the last time Georgia went out there in the Peach Bowl to conclude the 2020 season. And when you don't know, at least for sure, officially who 
you know, definitely one of your starters is going to be, but if not two of your starters, who they're going to be for the upcoming season, there are at least some questions that still need to be answered. But the one point that I've tried to make concurrent to all that is, is while there are unanswered questions for Georgia along its offensive line, the potential list of positive answers to those questions is so large that I would say that some of the hand-wringing that's gone on from some Georgia fans in relationship to what this offensive line is going to be, I would say that to a degree that's been a little bit exaggerated. It is certainly fair to say that for all the hope that exists for Georgia's offense with JT Daniels at quarterback and the large stable of running backs, and what you hope is the best overall performance from Georgia wide receivers that we've seen up until this point under Kirby Smart, the, the fact that all of that could be somewhat upended by an offensive line that's not as good as it needs to be, as good as it could be, that's a legitimate concern. But I do see, and I'll use the pro football focus as an example, but I don't need them necessarily to make me believe this. I do see a lot of potential with the offensive linemen that we know from Georgia and the long list of guys who are competing for that chance to be one of Georgia's best five. I actually see a pretty good situation there for the dogs, and I'm very curious to see how it actually emerges against a big test versus Clemson to start the upcoming season. That is Around the Doghouse. We'll get Connor Riley. We'll talk more to him about this coming up in a moment. Before we do that, though, let me remind you about my friends at the Finish Laundry. And I got to tell you, um, I am loving right now all of the Dog Nation daily listeners and viewers who are reaching out to me and telling me, validating what I've been telling you. That if you're looking to have some fun here this summer, and let's face it, who's not, that the Finnish long drink is an incredible accompaniment, if I could use a bigger word than I probably need to be using. It's just a great partner for you, no matter what you're doing here uh, this summer. The kind of thing that's been popular in Finland, like going back to like the 1950s, this is, there's a great history and backstory related to the Finnish long drink. And now it's in the United States, and it's actually now in Georgia there as well. Whether it's the long drink cranberry, which I know a lot of the folks there in Athens, some of the bars there, that's a a very popular choice or i like the original it comes in a blue can it's got kind of like a grapefruit flavor type to it. it's like a citrus flavor with a really really impressive enjoyable liquor kick it's it's a ready to drink beverage it comes in a can but it's not a beer it's ready to drink cocktail it's, it's like a mixed drink that you just you know either drink straight out of the can or pour it out of the can and it's ready to go right there uh you can also get the long drink zero the long drink strong which is eight and a half percent alcohol by volume which is kind of a, a fun thing there too it's just really enjoyable and a lot of you have been asking, well, B.A., where can I get the finished long drink? Because it's a little bit of a new uh, name for many of you. So let me give you the website to go to. It's thelongdrink.com. If you go to thelongdrink.com, you can find out beverage store or bar, or in many cases like golf courses, you can find out where it exists close to you and you can enjoy some uh, here this weekend as we head towards a holiday weekend. So check that out, thelongdrink.com. All right, before we're done, a little bit of a report or rumor, whatever you want to call it, out there about where uh, I guess soon to be former Georgia wide receiver Demetrius Robertson may be heading for the upcoming season. We'll discuss what's out there in regards to that. We'll talk about some of the other SEC names that show up on some of these preseason All-American lists. But for now, on everything with Georgia, on the field, on the recruiting trail, everything in between, let's do a Kroger Fresh Take with our buddy Connor Riley. From Athens and across the SEC or wherever the recruiting trail may lead, here's a DogNation.com insider. Kroger Fresh Take Time with Connor Riley. Good to have him with us. Really good stuff from him at DogNation.com as of late, including 
a little bit of an early look ahead to something later on this week when it comes to the brand new name image likeness laws that are set to take effect we'll get an update from connor about exactly what that's going to look like come july 1st here in the state of georgia before we do that though i want to talk about a couple of the other things that are kind of out there right now and connor i i know that you are just based on our previous conversation going to probably disagree with me a little bit but you know, when I see Schaefer and uh, Salyer showing up on a preseason All-American list from Pro Football Focus, even if I'm not quite so sure about the data sometimes and, you know, a little skeptical of, of, of some of that kind of thing, I mean, it does go into the same bin with some of the other things that have been said preseason about some of these guys along the Georgia offensive line. I just can't quite bring myself to be quite as concerned about the Georgia offensive line as some other people seem to be, even if their reasons for feeling that way are obviously legitimate. So is your feeling about the offensive line baked more into just the potential you believe that exists with the Marius Mims, Cedric Von Prahn, Tate Ratledge, for example? It's just such a long list of names. And I don't want to oversimplify it. I realize that I run the risk of oversimplifying it on the basis of what I'm about to say. But it's just such a long list of names that the idea that you couldn't find five good ones out of that list, to me, seems unlikely. So I'm going to ask you a question I know you're not going to answer, but I feel compelled to ask it anyway. So, again, I think there is reason to be optimistic about this offensive line. It is just a question of whether or not they get the true five best offensive linemen they're looking for. A lot of people are high on Tate Ratledge. A lot of people are high on Amarius Mims. If you're high on both those guys, that probably means Jamari Sawyer kicks down the guard. Mm-hmm. Is there a chance that Justin Schaefer, who was just named a first-team All-American, pro football frauds, excuse me, pro football focus, uh, is not one of Georgia's five best offensive linemen? I guess it could be, but I would think that's probably unlikely. I mean, like my guess is, is his experience probably does matter. And, you know, my guess is – I mean, listen – I don't pretend to be a scout as it is. I think offensive line play can be, for people who are true scouts, I think offensive line play can be pretty difficult to diagnose sometimes because I think it's hard to know where one individual player's effort ends and kind of the collective team performance of the offensive line begins. I think that can be a difficult thing to evaluate. But if I had to guess, my assumption is is that you know, uh, Matt Luke, Kirby Smart are really probably pretty happy to have Justin Schaefer as one of their five starting offensive linemen because he's been in the program for a long time. He's got some starting experience based on what happened last year. My guess is, even though from a recruiting standpoint, he's less heralded than most of these other guys, at this point in time, I think George is probably pretty happy to have him. Yeah, yeah. Justin Schaefer had a chance to go elsewhere, had a chance to leave, took, but I think Georgia wanted him back. That is why he is back for a sixth season as part of the extra eligibility granted by the NCAA. And I think they envision him playing a pretty significant part in this Georgia offensive line over the course of the season. Yeah, it's kind of funny. I mean, not only is he overshadowed in comparison to the guys who are on the Georgia offensive line now, but go back to his time as a recruit coming out of Cedar Grove when that was kind of first becoming a, a huge power. I mean, he was really overshadowed at the time by Notorious. Johnson and listen I, I love Notori I don't have a bad word to say about him but it's just kind of interesting that Notori was the bigger personality the higher rated recruit the, the guy that got more of the attention and lo and behold all these years later it's Justin Schaefer who's still a big part of the Georgia program if Justin Schaefer had Notori Johnson's recruiting ranking I think people feel a lot differently about him I think that's probably true there as well and let me also say this about the offensive line too like you lumped two guys together a moment ago that I'm probably not quite so comfortable lumping in for a specific reason. You mentioned Tate Rattledge and Maris Mims in the same sentence. 
I agree with everybody who says that the ceiling for Marius Mims may be, I mean, to quote the Michael Jordan line, the ceiling may be the roof when it comes to uh, Marius Mims. And I have no reason to disregard that. But me personally, I'm a lot more confident right now saying I assume that Tate Ratledge is truly ready to play because of the way that he was handled on G-Day and all the other buzz that seems to exist around him. Eventually, Marius Mims may be a far better offensive lineman just given the fact that there's kind of some of that you know, sort of emergent buzz around him. But I thought Georgia on G-Day treated Tate Ratledge as a player who is ready to play. And so part of my assumption that the Georgia offensive line is going to be fine, or at least more likely than not fine, is the fact that by inserting Ratledge into that group of guys who could be among your best five, then you know now you're talking about him either as a starter or as kind of that super sixth man type type thing it's the emergence of Ratledge that probably does more for my confidence than almost anything I think Ratledge is closer to playing maybe more so than ready to play because again I think the big reason they gave him all the first team reps at right guard is just because last year's schedule did not prevent did not allow Tate a chance to get on the field like so many other young players because a lot of those games that should have been blowouts or games where young players get in at the end of the game Georgia just really didn't have a lot of that and you know you lose one of those in Vanderbilt there at the end of the season but then you think of the FCS power this year it's Charleston Southern and you look at a game like Georgia Tech where that's been I think a big game for players who are young like Ratlitz to get experience Tate did not get that and I think that's why this spring one of the things they really harped on with him was getting him that opportunity because he has now been in the program for a year and he's his head's not swimming in the same manner that Mims's was. I want to ask you about one more guy that shows him this PFF list in a second. But let me just squeeze this in really quickly because it's very important to note this is that some of the people who are listening right now who hear me say you know these things with the offensive line. I genuinely think they want to believe me, and I genuinely think they probably mostly do believe me. But the one thing I could foresee a Georgia fan shouting back at his device right now, whatever he's watching or listening to the show on is, yeah, but B.A., that first game's against Clemson. That that all I just said of, ah, oh, the offensive line's probably fine. The fact that you play not just, you know, like truly like a dominant defensive line, a dominant front seven, uh, you know, a very aggressive pass rushing team, and it's the most losable game on the entire schedule. It comes the first game of the season. The thing that Clemson probably does better than anything is the thing that will test the offensive line more than anything. That the one thing I could foresee a Georgia fan shouting back at his device, listening to us talk right now, is is it's the order in which the games come this year that puts more pressure on the offensive line beyond just determining, hey, who's the best five from a talented group of 10 or 12. See, I, I think if you're shouting about the Clemson game, you're looking at the issues with the offensive line in the wrong way. Okay. I think the secondary is a game one issue. That's an issue where not having the experience or not necessarily having the talent can cost you that Clemson game. Clemson's defensive line is going to destroy a lot of offensive lines this season. That's just a fact. Georgia's is going to do the same, but Clemson's offensive line is one of the best in the country. Georgia needs to have its offensive line figured out to where it is a just a well-regarded, good, maybe even great offensive line by game 13, by that SEC championship game, by that potential college football playoff game. That's an issue where I think the offensive line can get you beat. So while, yes, that Clemson game does sort of fit in the parameters of that, it's just by circumstance that game is played in the first game of the season. 
But when we're talking about like playoff aspirations or national championship aspirations, that's where the offensive line needs to get to, and they need to have that figured out more so to me by the end of the season than necessarily that first game against Clemson. Speaking of the defensive secondary, I know a name that you've written about a number of times at dognation.com is Tyke Smith. I'm very excited about what Smith can do for Georgia this season. I think you have been as well, very optimistic about his outlook. And when you see him show up on a preseason All-American list, I guess the the question that comes to mind for me is, is the last couple of years that position that I assume that he plays for Georgia, that star position, has been kind of a complementary piece to the Georgia defense, a role-playing role, for lack of a better phrase. Whereas, if you want to go back to 2016, Kirby Smart's first year, the most dynamic player on that defense was probably Maurice Smith, the guy playing that star role, also a transfer into the program there as well. So do you foresee smith's success this year looking like a very good version of a role player or does he make the star position at georgia a little bit more of a of a springboard to stardom the way that it would have been under marie smith back in 2016 i think it's the latter there because if you look at the georgia secondary and lewis seen and chris smith i believe are both good players and i, I think darian kendrick can be as well but the one thing that tyke smith excuse me does differently than from everyone else in the secondary is that he has a resume of being a playmaker a guy of racking up tackles for loss, intercepting passes, breaking up passes, forcing fumbles. The rest of the guys on the Georgia roster don't really have that. That's not to say that they can't grow in, and that's not to say that Lewisine can't become that. But Richard LeCount was such a huge playmaker for the secondary a season ago, and he went out. I, I think they greatly missed that. You look at the Mississippi State game and the Florida game. They just were Florida was just begging, begging, and Mississippi State was as well to hey have a guy come in and break up passes, be a disruptor in the middle of the field. And Georgia just didn't have that after LeCount went out last season. I think that's the biggest asset that Smith brings to this team, and I think it's going to be something where we see him used a lot. I don't want to compare him directly to this player because he was one of the great college football players in his time at LSU. But the ceiling, or, and again, this is, again, hyperbolic, over-the-top, whatever. Yeah. But if you want to envision a really successful season for Tyke Smith where he ends up becoming a first-team All-American, think of how Tyron Matthew played for that 2011 LSU team where yeah. he was in the slot, sort of in an early version of that star position, all over the field, disrupting plays, being a very disruptive player. Here's the other thing, too. It's like you look at the offense explosion in college football over the last few years. So many of the smart coordinators that have led to that have done big work over the middle of the field, right? right? It's like, you know, for a long time, go back to the 90s, there were good receivers on the outside. But somewhere around the arrival of an Art Bryles or someone like that, you know, guys like that, Hugh Freeze had put in that same category too. All of a sudden now, people are doing big work over the middle of the field. The right. slot receivers are, are much more dangerous. So if you want to neutralize the more modern offenses, having a really good player who's also defending that portion of the field is a pretty good place to have an All-American. Right. And you, I mean, you just look at the makeup of this Georgia roster. Darian Kendrick should be able to handle himself on the outside, mm-hmm. though the college football playoff games he's played and not exactly shown that but then the other side Jalen Kimber Keely Ringo Amir Speed whoever starts there has the physical abilities to you would think handle themselves all right on the outside so with Tyke Smith being the playmaker that he can be I think having him patrol that middle of the field is going to be a huge advantage to this Georgia team this season we'll talk some recruiting here for a moment I started the show by talking about Barry Alexander apparently being at Gunnar Stockton's house I don't know that that's important I do think it's kind of fun it's always cool to see recruits palling around with each other and it's just kind of nice to see Georgia you know, I don't know, staying involved. Uh, it's kind of a cool thing to see. The Kojo and Twee thing that I mentioned, I, I do think is important, and I don't revel in saying this, but 
I think when you see the possibility, strong possibility, that Antwee might either go to Ohio State or go to Texas A&M or someplace like that, Connor, I don't know how one would interpret that beyond that Georgia still has some reputational issues on offense that it's got to address. And, you know, listen, Georgia hosted Luther Bird in the last couple of days. It's not that Georgia's not involved in key receivers, but there is a skepticism that seems to exist with the best receivers in the country that doesn't seem to exist for almost any other position group. By the way, quarterback included. It's amazing to me that Georgia's is outpacing its its quarterback recruiting efforts are outpacing its wide receiver recruiting efforts i would say by a pretty wide margin right now the receivers just have a little bit of skepticism uh the dogs have uh, recruited far better in 2019 2020 right now ad mitchell in the class of 2021 looks like he could be a little bit of a tiger but um uh but there is still some skepticism that seems to exist out there, and the Antwi recruitment may end up being another data point that, that demonstrates Did that. Did you just say A.D. Mitchell could be a little bit of a tiger? I mean, more in terms of how he plays. Well, let's use Bulldog going yeah, forward. That's probably better. I, that's probably better. I, so I think you're right, and if you want to see this issue truly get rectified, you need Jermaine Burton to have a big year. That's a good point. You need Jermaine Burton, a guy who, you know, George Pickens being a five-star, getting him, the weird circumstances I think that led to him coming to Georgia – you know, that you know, his talent was obvious. Jermaine Burton, kind of more the guy more often than not, you want to see Georgia win with. And I do think Kojo and Tweed follows in that like similar sort of mold of, you know, top ranking from the like top forty to top one twenty wide receiver and a guy who comes in, is featured, plays really well, goes on to the NFL after three years, and that's how you sort of get the pipeline up and running. You need Jermaine Burton to have a really big year for you if you're Georgia. Kyrus Jackson having a big year would help as well, but you need that guy like Jermaine Burton who played a lot as a freshman, had I think all what all of us would say is a good season. Statistically, if you look at the players he's compared to recruiting-wise, Burton did have a good season compared to some of the other freshman wide receivers. So you need him not just to have a good season, but a yeah. really good season. Push for that 800, 900-yard mark. Without George Pickens, I think, be the best wide receiver that Georgia has because you're able to show, hey, this guy came in, played early as a freshman because he was just that good, and then really developed into a true weapon as a sophomore. And now going into his junior season is looking like a guy who could potentially be very high on NFL draft boards. So that's sort of the matriculation that you need to see. And, and until wide receivers consistently see that, they're going to have questions such as Kojo Antwi seems to have. Yeah, I mean, and listen – I kind of understand why they would have some doubts. I'm not saying that I'm glad that they do, because obviously I want all you know these great receivers to come to UGA. But I, I can understand why they have some some you know some questions. And I say all the time, recruits are the first to truly know positive trends, negative trends. They're the first to truly know that. And for as much as you know. Dog Nation spends all kinds of time talking about offensive transformation for Georgia and all the great things that happen offensively. You know, the people that probably matter most, the constituency that matters more than anything else, the next generation of wide receivers, they seem to still want to see it first. And, and, and I think they're right, too, because as good as Georgia played the last four games of the regular season with JT Daniels under center, I'd point out three of those games were against past defenses that ranked outside the top 80 nationally. And then you have that Cincinnati game where, yeah, Georgia put up a lot of yards – but if Jack Lesney doesn't make a 53-yard field goal with three seconds left, yeah. I, I, they score 19 points in that game. And so because of that, against the Cincinnati team, which was, again, a great defense a season ago, but from a talent perspective, Georgia should have blown them out of the water and, and didn't. So that, again, sort of leads to the questions that you might have about where this Georgia offense can be, specifically at that wide receiver position. So let me put a positive spin on this for a moment. Um, if any, re- any pass-catching target could be – 
highlighted for his skepticism of the Georgia offense as much as anybody was Eric Gilbert. I mean, Eric Gilbert gave some very interesting interviews to Jeff Sintel as a recruit, and he just flat out wasn't buying. I mean, and I, I don't revel in, have, in saying that, but all the things he was being pitched at Georgia, he just wasn't buying. He made a decision to go to LSU. There are reasons, I think, to suggest at the, at the onset of that decision, it might be something he eventually regretted. But nonetheless, Georgia just was not going to be his school. Well, now he's at Georgia. So the fact that a one-time skeptic has now been converted, do you think that speaks to an overall larger trend that could emerge where the next generation of Gilbert, the current generation of guys like Gilbert in this 2022 class, that maybe there is hope for more conversions along the way if a one-time disbeliever is now a true believer? On today, what is it, June 29th? I will say no. I think Gilbert is sort of just a one-off and a weird situation saga that led to him. But if you ask me this question again on December, I guess, 19th or 18th, the week going into signing day, I think the answer very clearly could be yes. But again, the biggest thing is they just have to prove it over the course of a full season. You even look at that LSU, not even the course of a full season, over a a, a solid six-game stretch where you're playing multiple legitimate SEC teams or along with the Clemson there as well. You look at that LSU team in 2019, they started to get a lot of big-name recruits and big-name attraction because of what they started doing on the offensive side of the ball about halfway through that season. So if you're able to do that at Georgia, and you'll have chances to do that where you play a Clemson and Arkansas saw in Auburn early enough in that schedule to really impress recruits. So with a guy like Kojo Antwi, you know, him making his decision as early as it is probably isn't a great thing for Georgia at this point in time. But for some of those other receivers, Luther Burden, how long that recruitment drags out, uh, Kevin Coleman out of St. Louis, mm-hmm. how long those recruitments drag out, um, Shalik Knotts, and I'm trying to remember one more off the top of my head here, Andre Green out of the Richmond area. Yeah. The longer those recruitments drag out, I think it's a better chance for Georgia to show, hey, this is how we can actually use wide receivers here in a dangerous way. Got more with Connor Riley coming up. I do want to remind you, though, that it's going to be such a fun weekend as we head towards the 4th of July, Independence Day. Just such a wonderful, wonderful time. Uh, Family, friends getting together, everybody getting ready for fun on that. Don't forget, Kroger's got you covered for all of this, for your grills, the patio furniture, the, the, the recipes, the food. Everything that you need to make this 4th of July weekend, everything that it's supposed to be, get stocked up on all of that at Kroger. As I said before, it's not just the stuff that you're serving to your guests. It's also the grill that you cook it on or the the outdoor furniture that everybody's sitting on. Everybody having a good time this 4th of July weekend. And if you're not quite ready to go on that yet, get stocked up at Kroger. Uh, just go by your local Kroger store to uh, find out more about this. Check out Kroger.com there as well. Big savings on the stuff that you need to make this remaining part of the summer, including this big upcoming weekend, everything that it is supposed to be. All right, speaking of the remaining days of this week, Connor Riley, uh, Thursday, a big day, July 1st, brings the start of the name image likeness era for the state of Georgia and really across the country there as well for those that have laws in the books then those that don't there is you know some some freedom and some leeway to do all of this I want to say two things really quickly first of all I think people who are regular watchers or listeners to the show know I'm pretty skeptical about all of this here's the one promise I can make you I'm not going to beat people's head beat be, be, beat people over the head with this I'm sort of willing to almost put a pin in my own feelings about this for like a year i'll revisit this july 1st of next year let's just see i mean every now and then i may be forced to point something out but let me just kind of put a pin in my own opinion about what this is going to do for college sports and just give it a year play it out let's see how it goes my guess is it's either a nothing burger or a net negative but 
but I'm willing to kind of bite my tongue on this and let it play out, and we'll we'll kind of see how all of it goes. But beyond my own opinion, which as I said before, I'm as a you know uh, gentlemanly host willing to table somewhat. I am legitimately still somewhat unsure of what is truly allowed, what this is going to look like at the initial onset. There's going to be a lot of noise. Everybody's going to have their own logo, but whatever else. On July 1st, what do you think is going to happen? I know you've written about this at DogNation.com. Yeah, so what's going to happen is I think you're going to have a lot of companies reaching out to players or reaching out through sort of middleman is maybe too dirty of a word to use but a, a sort of intermediary who will be able to contact get in contact with players and conversely put players in contact with advertisers that's going to day that contracts sort of start going into hand saying hey we want you to advertise for this that and the other things along that nature and you know it could be something as players setting up camps though admittedly at this point in july with with off-season training ramping up, that might be something that goes into effect next year. Uh, autograph signings, things of that nature, social media engagements or endorsements, I think those are probably going to be the most popular form you see right away. It had been reported that a company like Onward Reserve had targeted five players across a multitude of Georgia sports to reach out to. So it's going to be mostly things of that, of players reaching out, uh, players reaching out, companies reaching out to players, and sort of those two all sort of melding and coming together. So let me ask you this way. I think the expectation is that uh, Brock Vandegrift and Jack Podlesny, two players that have been previously mentioned, they probably will announce an onward reserve deal on July 1st, mm-hmm. just on the base of the chatter that's been out there. Do you think another Georgia player announces an endorsement deal on Thursday? Probably. I just I think there are a lot of really popular players out there, and if they're smart, you know, or maybe they've had a parent get involved on their behalf in, in terms of anticipating this. But I, think, I guess as I'm asking is, do you think it happens that quickly? I do. I, I think especially in a state like Georgia, you know, Florida, Alabama, where they've known for since May 6th that this is going to be a reality now, I think people have been prepared and ready for this. You saw over the weekend uh, Kendall Milton and Amarius Mims posting on their own uh, social media feeds that, hey, if you have any ideas about this and want to reach out, uh, slide into my DMs. I think, you're, I think you know, these guys have been ready and prepared for these opportunities. So a couple things here really quick, and I'll wrap this up because we've gone a little bit long here. I mean, on the one hand – there's not a lot of opportunities right now to get Georgia players autographs. You know, the program, I said before, when I was a kid, the picture day, the day that you went and got autographs and pictures, the program was just less popular. I mean, in the early 90s, the late 80s, when I was a child, it was just really easy. I mean, even good players like Eric Zier, Garrison Hurst, Andre Hastings, you just walk up to them and just talk to them. And mm-hmm. like you'd stand there five minutes and they'd sign your autograph, they'd take a picture with you, and they'd just sort of chat with you. But back then, you could do that because the, the, the there just weren't millions. I don't know. For some reason, the program is just so popular now. And so when it comes to like the team thing, you know, when they have a picture day in the summer, pre-pandemic, they used to have one of those. It's like this logistical nightmare where it's like you, you show up at it. You're not really sure if you're going to get anybody's autograph or mm-hmm. not. The lines are just really long. I'm no, I don't blame the program for that. It's just hard to satisfy all the fans who would want an autograph from Georgia players. So in a name image likeness world, if all of a sudden pick somebody, Kendall Milton can go to Georgia Square Mall and sign autographs for two hours. That's the kind of access to a player that fans could not get if this name image likeness law wasn't in place. So on the one standpoint, that might end up being a good thing. And it's a tangible way in which this impacts the average fan. Do you see any other ways or what is your I guess, best prediction for other ways in which name image likeness laws are going to show up in the field of vision for the average fan. I wonder if 
players, and again, you know, with Georgia and Kirby Smart, it's going to be difficult. But I think you certainly see this with other programs. Maybe players sort of leveraging their own pop- popularity and fame into you know having a podcast or appearing on podcasts semi semi recurringly, local radio interviews on whether it be you know nine sixty or one of the various Atlanta mm-hmm. ones. I, I do think there's a way for fans I think to benefit in if players are smart enough and I might not be the right word but if there's an avenue there for players to leverage their popularity into a sort of content delivery form as we've seen you know Chris Long has a very good podcast JJ uh, JJ Redick has one as well there's a way for players to leverage their popularity into sort of media appearances media fees and I think that is something that while it's not on the forefront of many people's minds it is sort of maybe an extra way we can get some extra content out of all of this which is what we just love we'd love the good right, content but I think it's content. a way a, a way in which to make these guys, if they're smart about it and diligent about it, to make themselves more accessible. Yeah, I mean, it's really interesting. I mean, we've all got opinions on how this is going to play out. Many people have opinions about how it's supposed to play out. But what's it actually going to look like? I still think there's some curiosity about that. Mm-hmm. In a couple of days, we'll start to uh, find out. Uh, Connor, great stuff. Thank you for being here as a part of our uh, Kroger Fresh Take here today. And we'll look forward to reading a whole bunch more from you at dognation.com in the days to come. Yep, as always, it was a pleasure, B.A. Let's take a look around the rest of the league. This is SEC Fruit. All right, incredible stuff there from Connor Riley. Yeah, as I said before, you know, look, if you do like, if you do this for a living, you're obviously going to have strong opinions. It's kind of a byproduct of all of this. However, I also kind of feel like that I'm a little bit like a dinner guest at your house in that you've invited me. If, you know, if you put earbuds in and have my voice in, you've kind of invited me into your in, into your life there, and I'm not going to beat you over the head with my opinion on this. I do have some concerns about the future of college athletics on the basis of all the radical change that has been ushered in the last year or two. I'm I'm worried about that, but I'm also willing to kind of just sort of table it. Let's just have some fun. Georgia may win the national championship. Uh, You know, I still don't have a problem with Georgia players, you know, cashing in here. So we'll see. We'll see how it all goes. As I said before, I've got my concerns in all of this, but I'm not necessarily – I'm not necessarily looking for looking to beat people over the head with all that there either. Uh, before we do the rest of our SEC through, let me also tell you about my friends at Meriwether and Tharp, your source for Georgia divorce. You can find them online, theatlantadivorceteam.com. They're going to do good work for you. First of all, I, I love, you know, Bob Tharp, one of the partners, Ashley, his wife, they're going to be with us for Dog Nation Invasion. Just good dog people. I just love, you know, being with good Georgia fans. I, I like recommending good Georgia fans to the audience. That's always a fun thing to be able to do. And uh, not only do they are they fun to hang out with, good people, but they're also really, really good at providing a very important service. Because let's face it, one of the most harrowing experience anybody can have is divorce. And when you go through that process, if you don't have a strong advocate by your side, I mean, you could end up feeling a little lonely. You could if, if, feel like you're kind of fighting all this by yourself. You won't feel that way with Meriwether and Tharp. They're your source for Georgia, Georgia divorce. They know all of the intricacies of the law. They know how that law impacts you. Even with your situation-specific circumstances, they still understand how the law is going to work for you and all of that. So put them to work for you. Go to theatlantadivorceteam.com. You can find out a lot more about that. That's theatlantadivorceteam.com. That'll get you in touch. Uh, with my friends at Meriwether and Tharp. All right, let's roll through the rest of our SEC through here, and let's uh, do this uh, pretty quick just for a moment. I uh, mentioned a moment ago about the uh, possibility of 
I guess former Georgia wide receiver, we'll call him former now because he's in the transfer portal, doesn't mean he has to go somewhere, but there is, you know, thought that's what Robert's going to do. There's been a little chatter coming out of the Auburn side of things from 24-7 Sports, their local reporters there in Auburn, that Robertson could be considering Auburn. Now, this makes all the sense in the world from one respect. If you want to look, and I love doing like the preseason, you know, I read the magazines and things like that. I don't know there's any more glaring hole on any team in the SEC right now than Auburn at the wide receiver position. This is just a team that, I mean, they've lost Anthony Schwartz. They've lost Seth Williams. Williams was a very good player. You know, Auburn hasn't always had great receiver play. Williams one of the best that's come through there. Uh, you know, Eli Stove no longer there. There's just a big list of receivers that you've kind of come to know at Auburn. They're not there anymore. And so it's kind of interesting when you think about what the footprint for Auburn's offense is going to be in the first general Mike Bobo, the brand new Brian Harson era. Obviously, Bo Nix has been a quarterback that's had a big spotlight on him for the entire of the offseason because at one point in time, he had a lot of accolades. It seems like in the 2020 season, he was having a hard time living up to that pressure that kind of came from being a pretty big recruit to the program. And now, expectations of this upcoming season, part of the issue is, does Nix have anybody to throw to? It's one of the reasons on this show we've talked so much about well, maybe this becomes a team that is clearly defined by Tank Bigsby as the face for its offense. That remains to be seen, and we'll find out what Knicks brings to the table for this year. But the point in this particular story is the fact that 24-7 is reporting that maybe a guy like D-Rob is considering Auburn on the basis of the fact that it's a fairly open spot to step in and get a chance to play maybe that makes some sense so there is a chance i guess that georgia could be facing one of its uh former players on the field uh if if that's indeed where d rob ends up going we'll follow that see where it goes by the way speaking of uh Tank Bigsby and Auburn. Bigsby did show up as a first-team selection. We talked about pro football focus All-Americans a moment ago. Bigsby was on that list as a first-team All-American running back there. I I just think that, look, Mike Bobo, I think at this stage of his career, has become a little bit more of a conservative offensive coordinator. That's, I think, become his reputation a little bit more. I think Bigsby gets it as much as he wants this season with the Tigers. There could be a lot of that going on. Also, a couple of other first-team selections in the SEC, a couple off the LSU defense. Mike Jones, that's a transfer into that program. Uh, Derek Stingley, who I think admittedly did not have a great year a year ago for the Tigers, expecting to come back and do a little more here for this upcoming season as far as second-team selections go from the SEC. Of course, I told you about the Georgia guys a little earlier. Interesting to see Brian Robinson, the Alabama running back, show up here as a second-team All-American. And that's what I'm going to have to wait and see on that. I just don't quite know about that as of yet. This feels like you're sort of getting a little bit of an Alabama bump there on that. You also see uh, offensive tackle Evan Neal from Alabama a year ago. One of the things for the Crimson Tide that allowed that offense to be so dominant was the play of the offensive line. They'll need to find more of that here this season if they want that to continue. Uh, you also see uh, Eli Ricks show up there. One point in time, Ricks was, I think, a rumored candidate maybe be leaving LSU. That ended up not really materializing and you know between ricks and stingley and mike jones the transfer into the program you get a little bit of an understanding why there are folks who still believe that this lsu defense can be very good especially now that bo pelini is out of the program after a disastrous year as coordinator a year ago don't forget that lsu kind of lingers and kind of floats around there as one of those potential surprise teams in the sec and seeing multiple names off that defense as a part of an all-american list one of the reasons why we will make that your sec through and as we wrap up the program here today, we like to do our Gator Hater Roll Call. One of the things that I do love to see are all the Gator Haters in our audience. And 
We believe that a good Georgia fan is a Gator hater first and foremost, and one of the ways we show that off is with our golden shoe. It is the award that we give out frequently for those who flash some true Gator hating credentials, and long-time, many-time, multi-time winner of the golden shoe is Mad Dog. He comes storming back in a big way here today, all coaches trying to put their best foot forward to impress recruits. I guess Mad Dog, his iteration of Dan Mullen kind of doing the same thing here. Mad Dog saying on Twitter that when you try to impress recruits with your balloon animal skills, <laughs> so you got Mullen with the clown nose, you got the balloon animal there. By the way, my daughter loves balloon animals. Not as easy to make as you might think. So if Mullen truly is making some balloon animals, maybe he's got at least one talent. But nonetheless, Mad Dog dominates again, winning our golden shoe. How about Gator Hater Countdown? 123 days from now. We'll see you tomorrow. Dog Nation Daily, presented by Engineered Solutions of Georgia. And on the podcast, time now for our R.S. Andrews podcast, Cool Down. Quick apology about one thing. One of our key mechanisms for allowing comments for our R.S. Andrews podcast, Cool Down, is the comment section. When I post the show at theworldfamousdognation.com, we were upended yesterday by a technical issue in terms of getting the show posted. So uh, your enjoyable comments I'm at least missing um, as far as from yesterday's podcast, although for those of you that depend on the show appearing at dognation.com to listen to it, eventually both shows will be on there. I say that if you depend on it being at the website to hear it, I guess you're this, this, you're not hearing me speak this right now. But the point is, all the shows will eventually be on dognation.com. But I was just briefly locked out of the system yesterday. It's always one of those things when you first see that, like you think, hopefully I didn't get fired. Uh, but nonetheless, I shall be back in there. And, you know, I want to reiterate one more thing that I said during the regular show is like, you know, when it comes to like the name, image, likeness stuff, you know, my uh, intention is not to beat people over the head with the fact that I'm fairly skeptical of this and, you know, somewhat concerned about its long term impact, not just NIL in particular, because the various facets of NIL taken in kind of a fishbowl are not that big of a deal to me one way or another, but just the whole collection of radical change to college football and college sports in general, a little concerned about that. But for the most part, I'm going to be kind of willing to table all that for a while as we move into this new world. I do want to mention, though, I say all that because I want to mention a comment from Mark Morris on Twitter. who writes in to say that if Georgia doesn't maximize its name, image, likeness opportunities for our guys, then in my opinion, we won't be able to recruit as well against those programs who do. We should create a name, image, likeness department within the athletic administration to accomplish this. Do you guys agree? And he kind of wrote that to some of the Dog Nation folks. And what I would say on that is that that's, you know, George is kind of in a relationship with Drew Butler's company. You've read about Drew Butler at uh, DogNation.com, you know, one of these companies that kind of exists now to advise in relationship to name, image, likeness stuff. And, you know, the point about people are going to judge Georgia by how many opportunities its players get. Maybe that's true. Maybe it's not. This is another one of those things, though, to Mark and to everybody else that I would say is the actual feeling of the players in who have the potential of cashing in on name, image, and likeness, what they actually want here may turn out to be a little bit different than what we kind of assume it would be. Because I'll give you an example from my own life. Um, somehow, some way, I, I get emails all the time from like podcast companies. And the the podcast company is always um offering it always the, the basic structure of all these emails is always the same thing I, I for the most part now don't even open them but you know for years i've just been getting these emails where it's the podcast company emailing me in and they describe something that they're going to be able to do for me 
And yet the deeper you read the email, what you actually find out is, is the podcast company wants something from me. <laughs> what starts out as a, as a petition to give me something ends up being a request to take something from me. Uh, and I would say that in a lot of cases, like the name, image, likeness stuff is going to be the same way, where it's like, you know, the, the direct message or whatever else is going to show up as a, here's the thing we can do for you, but it's going to end up in some cases feeling like a, here's the thing we need from you. And so what a lot of players are going to end up doing is they're going to lean on their programs the same way they do for other things to help sift through some of this. And frankly, in some cases, maybe keep some nefarious elements away. And listen, I don't want to oversell that and say that, that, that there's going to be more, you know, nefarious types than not, but there will be some. I mean, uh, anybody who's got any kind of like sales-type career can speak to this, you know, for whatever reason, these sales-type careers, if you're a loan officer or a, a you know lender or a real estate agent or insurance salesman, something like that, that your inbox, your voicemail is just filled all the time with people who want something from you that that you know they they pitch it to you as hey we've got all these leads we're going to give them to you but it always ends up being they want something from you it's typically money um so in a name image likeness world there's going to be some of that to deal with deal with there as well that that some players will i think end up leaning on their programs to help sift through what is a real offer and what is not and that's the kind of thing that georgia is going to be really good at i mean here's the one thing that i think you can say about georgia as we get ready to move into name image likeness world starting on thursday is that georgia for the most part is just pretty professional about all of this and so while someone like me might have some very real concerns about how this impacts college sports collectively, I don't have a ton of concern about how this impacts Georgia individually. I would say that a few Georgia players have a chance to kind of cash in. And for the most part, the the stuff that worries me won't be that big of an impact for Georgia, you know, really whatsoever, that Georgia will just be kind of good at handling this. And look, I think for those, because we had a video show a moment ago and some people were mentioning the idea, what about distractions? What about players being distracted? Once again, at a place like Georgia where there's a lot of mission focus, I just think the chances of being distracted are probably not that not that great. That, yes, players have a chance to do something that previous generations of players haven't done. But for the most part, that doesn't take away their – because – competition and competitive fire is a little bit of an instinctive thing right i mean you can measure this in yourself how much of it do you have you know how much of it don't you have you see people who are just a little bit more competitive sometimes than others that's an instinctive thing it's the kind of thing that was sort of doled out in unequal measures at creation it just it, you know people are just different when it comes to that and so the competitive fire that exists in a player that plays at a place like Georgia, because you probably don't get to a place like Georgia without being an intense, an extreme competitor. And once again, that's an, that's an instinctive thing that takes over. Even if you have kind of logical reasons to want to be fixated on your money-making opportunities, things like that, the competitive desire to kind of go out there and be the very best you possibly can be, that's not going to slow down. That's not going to go away. And so... Um, as I've said before, you know, in the past on this show, I've expressed a lot of skepticism about how some of this kind of stuff is going to play out. And maybe in the future, uh, there'll be a, a time to revisit that. But for the most part, I don't think it's a huge issue for George in particular. I think it's the kind of thing that we'll all learn about as it goes on and as it takes place. And we'll see where it leads after that. So good stuff all the way around there. 
let us uh, get ready to uh, wrap up for today. Thanks for being here for our R.S. Andrews uh, uh, cool down. Air conditioning, heating, plumbing, electric, you can find them online at rsandrews.com. They'll show up on time. They'll do the work that's promised, the price that's promised. We will look forward to seeing you then. Uh, thanks for being here. And tomorrow morning, back here on Dog Nation Daily, presented by Engineered Solutions of Georgia. We'll look forward to seeing you then again there as well. You'll have a great day, everybody.